All right, welcome to a very special episode of Query, where we provide simple answers to complex tech questions. My name is Serenity Caldwell, and I am joined as always by my co-host, Stephen Hackett. Hi, Stephen. Hey, Serenity. How are you? I'm all right. I um, am down in Cupertino. I just went to Apple Park yesterday, uh, and as you might tell from my audio, I'm a little bit on the road. We were joking yeah. about hiding out in a parking garage of Apple Park, and we're, we're not too far <laughs> off of that. <laughs> on the, the guest Wi-Fi podcasting. Uh, no, I appreciate you taking some time. I know it's uh, a very busy time during these press events. Um, I'm super excited you were there. Like, I have so many questions. So we're going to follow the regular format of the show, but my guess is it's going to be uh, maybe a little bit longer than our normal time because there's, there's lots of talk about, and of course, you... You were there, so you've you've had hands-on experience. You're one of the f- few people who have, which is super cool. Yes. I think we're going to dive right in. I think the big question this week is uh, what are the differences between the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus and the new iPhone 10? I know there are a lot of similarities, right? They share a lot of DNA. There are. Maybe we should start there. Yeah, so the the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 10 um, in some ways are, as you said, very similar phones. They have the same A11 Bionic chip. Um, So, yeah, they both get the neural engine. I know that was a question from a couple of people. Uh, They have the same GPU, same ISP. Uh, So all of those internal benefits. Um, There are also redesigned sensors on both of the cameras. Um, Both uh, 8 8 Plus and 10 cameras have all of the same redesigned sensors. Um, We'll get there are some differences with the camera, which I'll get to in a second. Um, they both have new glass backs, which is how they support wireless charging. And yes, the entire iPhone line is going to support wireless charging, the 8, the 8 Plus, and the 10. They all have, uh, is it, I keep on wanting to say QI. It's it's key. Is that right? Uh, Qi, I think. Qi wireless chi charging. Yeah. Chi which is charging. a standard, right? Like other phones yes. use this. And now Apple's kind of joining in on the standard. And I love that. That makes me really, really happy to, to hear um, and both have True Tone as part of their display, um, although they have slightly different displays. Okay, so let's so we'll start with the display. Um, the iPhone 8 has and 8 Plus have very similar to dis- displays to iPhone 7 and iPhone 7 Plus. The big difference is that it's now a Retina HD display, which includes True Tone. So that's the same kind of color cha- using front sensors to. Um, adapt color temperature on your display. So if you're looking at, uh, you know, say a, a white page in direct sunlight, it's going to look differently than if you're looking at it in fluorescent lighting. So it's a really cool feature that I've that I've enjoyed on the the 10.5. Yeah, me, me too. It it sounds sort of cheesy to talk about it, and and, and in some ways it's very subtle. But it, it came out with the. The 9.7-inch iPad Pro, which, of course, now is is gone and, and is now on both of the new iPad Pros. And it's it's really nice. I mean, when you – like if like uh, if I'm using my iPad with it and I go to, like, the kid's iPad or my wife's uh, – she has an Air 2 and it doesn't have it. Like, it is it is jarring if you're – if you've gotten used to it, if your eyes have adjusted. Uh, so I'm super psyched that's on the iPhones. Yeah, it's a noticeable difference. Um, so that is kind of the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus display. Now – and of course, it still has 3D touch. It still has reachability, uh, and it still has a home button on the front. Whereas the iPhone X is pretty much all display. Um, it's a 5.8-inch OLED display, so it's different than the LED display, the Retina HD display that the iPhone 8 uses. Its uh, its official name is a 
super retina display. <laughs> thanks, thanks Apple for that superlative. That's, That's great. good. Yeah. Super yeah, awesome. and something to, super awesome. And something to note about the 5.8 inch display is that it does have rounded corners, which means that it is actually ever so slightly fewer pixels than 5.8 inch. It's like right, right, right on the edge because it has those rounded corners. Right. Yeah. Um, so as a side note of it only being all display, uh, there there's no home button, which is probably the biggest uh, the biggest change between the two of them. And because yeah. there's no home button, there's also the phone itself is smaller than the se- than the 7 plus and the 8 plus but slightly wider and taller than the iPhone 7 and 8 uh, so it's like this it's a it's an in-between size between mm-hmm. these between their two traditional phones I'm really curious to how that's gonna play out I've used the plus phone now for three years and I, I really like that size I mean it's bulky and I'm excited about the, the iPhone 10 um, but I'm I'm kind of curious how I'm going to adjust especially to a keyboard that is uh, a little bit smaller, but what seems really nice about this design is it kind of takes the best of both phones, right? It's the portability of the seven and eight with the, the large screen from actually a bigger screen than what's on the plus. And so it's kind of like Apple saying, Hey, you know, we went the best of column a and the best of column B, and we're going to combine it in this, this new thing, which, I mean, if you look at pictures of these things side by side, this new iPhone is radically different for so for a decade, literally a decade. The iPhone has been defined by a screen and a home button centered underneath it, and they've added a lot of stuff to the home button. And now that it's gone, the phone looks radically different. And they've had to reassign all the tasks that the home button used to have. Right, so you have gestures for multitasking. You swipe up to go home. You swipe up and hold to enter multitasking. You swipe down from the right to pull down Control Center. Down from the left to pull down notifications. This. Center, yes, center. And so there there are some there's gonna be a learning curve here, but you know, I think people who who, you know, opt into this phone are gonna know all that going in. And I I, I think we'll all, we will all adjust really quickly. But yeah, it's like it's a huge I mean it's like I mean I can't I was trying to think like what in the Mac line has been similar, like what else in technology has been so constant as the home button and now that it's gone, you know, it, it really is um it's a huge departure, right? Yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's similar from uh, mouse to trackpad in some ways. Although trackpad, we even kind of had a an entry into it with the laptop line, right? Where the laptops have been using trackpads for a long time before it switched over to desktop. And desktop, you still have the option of a mouse. Totally. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely a dramatic change. Although I'll say, with the, I had maybe ten to fifteen minutes total hands-on time with the iPhone ten. Um, and I like it. It's really easy to pick up, especially if you use an iPad Pro, uh, because many of the gestures for like the pull up for the you know to to enter multitasking, it feels very similar to like the four finger swipe up to multitasking on an iPad. Uh, so that that kind of a, a feeling is you know I I really like that. And of course there are still buttons on the uh, iPhone 10. Yes, they're they're just not buttons uh on the front of the phone so you still what what was the power on off button is uh is now officially renamed the side button (laughs) the the saddest name (laughs) that's from the apple watch right the small apple watch button is called it is the side button (laughs) and i think it's like even lowercase which apple normally doesn't do and it's it's branding they use 
capitalized names. It's like the side button. We didn't have a name, so we just named it the side button. Yes, the fu- it's really it's a function button, right? So you can use you can use that button to turn the phone uh, on or off. Um, you hold it or you press it quickly, um, and you hold press and hold it for Siri. I know a couple people had questions like, well, how does it work? If you don't have a home button, how do you do Siri? And it uh, it looks very similar. If you were running the iOS 11 uh, public beta right now, and you do the um, the five clicks in quick succession to turn off Touch ID. On the on the iPhone 7 or iPhone 7 Plus using the iOS 11 beta, and it gives you like those multiple sliders. It's very similar to how the iPhone 8 turns off and turns on, and all of that. Or sorry, the iPhone 10 turns off and turns on, um, and it has the two volume buttons on the side. So you still have those three those three buttons. And to my knowledge, they're real buttons. To my knowledge, they're not they're not faux buttons. All right. <laughs> uh, so the the last thing I wanted to say about the screen before we moved on to exactly how you unlock a, a, a device that's all screen is uh, because they've switched to an OLED display. Some folks had questions about well, if it's an OLED display, does that mean that 3D Touch still works? Because Apple was having some problems with that. And yes, 3D Touch still works. Um, I can't tell you the precise technical specifications of how it works because uh, Apple was less than forthcoming about it. But needless to say, they figured it out. It works pretty well. It feels you've got some tactic feedback when you swipe up uh, to go like back to the home screen. You've got your regular 3D touch actions when you press and hold on an icon or on an, an option in a menu. Um, all of the things that you know and love from an iPhone 7 and 7 Plus um, are on this phone, even with an OLED display. And I think I think that's really important. Like the retaining all those features that people have come to depend on. You can't just throw all those out when you get rid of the home button. You have to figure out how to reassign everything. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about the big, huge difference of the the full screen display. As if a full screen display wasn't big and huge enough. Um, <laughs> The biggest thing here is the fact that there's there's no more Touch ID because no more home button. And instead, Apple has created a new authentication feature that they call Face ID, um, which, of course, the 8 and 8 Plus do not have. Uh, and that is done entirely because the, the top half of the phone, and if you've seen the pictures of the dreaded notch, uh, this is what the notch is basically holding it's uh, they've created a new camera system, um, a front-facing camera system, not just for selfies, but for authenticating your face, creating a depth map of your face using infrared cameras and depth sensors, and it's all pretty uh, pretty impressive tech, quite honestly. Um, face ID, I mean, we're not going to go. This is not a podcast on Face ID, so we're we're going to you know go over the the mini version here. But needless to say, Apple's created an authentication option that can't be fooled by photos, that can't be fooled by faceless men masks or Hollywood FX masks or, you know, pick your pick your movie of creepy, realist, hyper-realistic masks. Um, it can't be fooled um, or it can't, it can't error out if you have scarves or hats or burkas. Um, all of these things Apple has reportedly tested, light skin, dark skin, medium skin, uh, beards, uh, glasses or no glasses. Um, the, it has been calibrated so that it works with all of these things um and then it uses things like uh gesture uh gesture tracking so it will it can tell when you're looking directly at the screen um and it won't prompt until you're looking at the screen uh i know some people are a little bit concerned oh well face id you know what if a cop just you know points your face at the screen and forces you to unlock it 
Um, if you were in a situation where law enforcement might be of a concern, that is why Apple has iOS 11's, you know, click the the side button really rapidly to, right. to disable uh, that SOS feature. SOS mode, yeah. Yeah, exactly, SOS mode, um, without actually, you know, calling your, uh, calling your local authorities. Yeah, even if you're if you're remotely worried about um, facing police action or facing somebody who might try and force you to look at your phone, um, if you get pulled over at a traffic stop, you know there there's going to be time for you to click that button really rapidly and shut off uh, Face ID or Touch ID if you have one of the older phones. Um, that that is not a that is that you know it's a I understand why people are concerned. But I think that the benefits, based on what I've seen in these, you know, admittedly brief demos, I think the benefits for how Face ID will work over time are going to far outweigh the concerns, especially when you consider that it's using the, secu- the same secure enclave that Touch ID is. So there's absolutely no way that they can access your data, even if they wanted to. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's an important thing. And I think hopefully that feature in iOS 11 becomes uh better known because i mean you know it, even if you're just you know passing through tsa or you know there, there's lots of reasons that you may want to do that i think the tech here is super fascinating so this is much more than just an upgraded selfie camera that notch has all sorts of stuff in it they're tracking like thirty thousand invisible dots on your face create a depth map and that's how it can that's how it can see through things like oh steven has a beard this week and he did it last week or Ren's wearing her glasses, but she's not today. Like how do you know? Because it is looking at much more information than just a photo, and you know, so you're not waiting in line to Whole Foods to pay with your phone and have to like take a selfie. I mean, your eyes meet the phone, and it it knows uh, that you're there. So this is something that is uh, much like so many good Apple features. There's much more to it technically than than like, than they want to talk about because they kind of want to hide all that stuff and make it seem like magic, but. That notch is just chock full of of sensors and little projectors and a camera and all this stuff works together to make this so smart. And uh, I think that's that's important to understand. Yeah, it's it's really incredible. You know, I have I have friends in the VFX industry and people who specifically work on 3D modeling and things like that. And I had them text me after the event and just be like, I have no idea how Apple (laughs) is doing this. Um, and as somebody who, you know, had hands on time uh, with the with the 10 and like not only I got to play with face ID, I got to play with, or I didn't. Sorry, not face ID, but I got to play with uh, an emoji. Um, I got to see face ID in action. We didn't get a chance to like program our own faces in it. Um, but I got to see face ID in action. I got to play with an emoji. I got to uh, play with the new Snapchat app that's coming out soon. Um, and uh, with uh, with portrait lighting and the the way that Apple has done these depth maps is it's almost imperceptible. It looks like I just spent an hour in a green screen uh, room with uh, you know a suit and dots all over my face. Like this is the kind of technology that not only is really cool to consumers, but it is gonna dramatically like if Apple partners with any of the VFX, like it's gonna dramatically change previs in a really really cool way. Like I can I can see people um, probably using iPhones and like making private apps for them um, for pre-visualization systems, especially if this thing ever comes to something like uh, something like the iPad as well. Like it could it could be huge. It really could. Yeah, I would love to see the spread. I wrote a blog post today about kind of thinking about what would this be like on the Mac, and actually kind of arguing that Apple may already be moving in this direction. Because um, I think this is going to be one of those things like like Touch ID was. Like once you had 
Touch ID on the iPhone and your iPad didn't have it. You know, all of us tried to unlock our iPads with our thumbs for a year before Apple caught the iPad up. And I think this is definitely, <clears throat> I think this is definitely going to be the same sort of feeling that if, you know, if someone buys an iPhone 10 and they get used to this and that then they go use Touch ID on their iPad or their MacBook Pro or like me and have an iMac and you're still entering your password, it's going to feel like part of you, part of the time you're in the future and part of the time you're really not in the future. And uh, I, I would imagine that this will will spread. I'm sure this stuff is expensive. You know, th- this new phone, we're going to get to the pricing in a little while. It is more expensive. And I've got to imagine that part of that cost is with all of this technology and all the sensors and all the processing, all the stuff that makes this happen because it's far more than just a selfie. Yeah. And it's worth noting also that this is tied into the A11 Bionic chip as well. And like the neural engine is helping process all of this stuff. Like it's it's really one of those things like they joke about stuff only Apple can do, et cetera. But like the fact that they have control of their silicon and then they can build stuff like this and then integrate features. It's it's very, very impressive. So that's that is one of the big like big catalytic differences between the iPhone 8 series and the iPhone 10. If you're just looking at it, it's like that. The face ID camera may seem like a gimmick, but there's a lot of really, really impressive tech. Um, and I didn't even get into some of the, I didn't even get into something, some of the quirkier features and some of the like, yeah, they demo well, but they're also really cool. Like I mentioned, I mentioned an emoji very quickly, uh, which right. of course, 3D emojis that track your face yeah. uh, so that you can basically turn yourself into an emoji uh, and then record yourself saying a message to somebody. Yes, it's quirky. Yes, it's silly, but it's a proof of concept. It's basically saying, look what you can do with this face tracking. And I actually had somebody who was hard of hearing write me on Twitter and said I could lip read the Animoji. That's incredible. Like, the, I know. And I don't know if that's necessarily going to be true for everything. Like, I definitely did some Animoji renderings that weren't as good as the other ones that I did. But the fact that they're even close, remotely close to that. Like, can you imagine an AR app where you point the phone at somebody while they're talking and then you get an automatic you know transcription of what they're saying like could be creepy for for privacy purposes but because it's the front-facing camera you know you think about but just from for for deaf folks who can't lip read for instance like there's there are a lot of a lot of really really cool potential features here um and animoji is a good way to kind of preview that um, but honestly, the the coolest, like, niche, quirky feature that I really am excited about is the front-facing camera now has portrait mode because it has the depth map. Um, right. And not only does it have portrait mode, it has a darn good portrait mode. Like, it is one of the... Honestly, I like portrait selfies more than I like the regular portrait mode because <laughs> you're taking a... Uh, you're taking a photo that's already, you know, fairly close up. So it has a good read of the situation. Um, and then the, with the addition of the portrait lighting features, which are features that are also available for the back camera and will come to both the eight and the 10, um, portrait lighting allows you to change kind of the shadows and the features on, on your face. So Renee and I took some portrait selfies, uh, and put on some of the lighting effects, uh, or, and I should say, uh, sorry, not, not effects, not filters, modes, uh, because they're not Apple. Apple is saying they're not technically effects and they're not technically filters. Uh, they're just live. They're live renders that can be changed, which honestly, that kind of feels like an effect to me. But, we'll, you know, <laughs> leave the 
leave the marketing for the marketing folks. There you go. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. I uh, I think it's a really really awesome awesome feature, and uh, I think a lot of people, especially those in the social media universe, are going to use it. We'll leave it. I'll leave it to all the young people. I mean, and, and and those are sorts of features, like you said, like some of them may be gimmicky. Some of them are there to show what the hardware can do. Like all, like all this is possible because they have these great cameras and these sensors and the CPU and GPU and image signal processor. They have all this stuff together. Um, and then some of those features is people are just going to love, you know, and, and different consumers will fall in different places on that spectrum. But the, the word I keep coming back to with this phone, and you've said it a couple times, is potential. Like, yeah, maybe yeah. that one feature doesn't really stick, but it's about what the hardware and software can do together. And Apple is pitching the iPhone 10 as the, the phone of the future. And, you know, there's no doubt every iPhone will look like this at some point. And there's no doubt in my mind that someday that notch will recede and then get everything into the bezel or under the screen or some other place, right? But in thinking about where the iPhone can go from here, like like this phone, as exciting as it is, is really just a, a starting point. You think it's about something like AR Kit, which will run on phone. It'll run on my Seven Plus. You know, it's going to run on, on on these new phones as well. But even that, like as good as AR Kit apps can be now, and I think you and I have both gotten a chance to demo some of those. And there's some there's some amazing stuff out there. But they're going to be so much better on you know, these new phones with this new chipset. But in three, four, five years, once developers have a better understanding of the technology, once the hardware can drive more stuff, can render stuff in higher resolution with more textures, like we're just, I feel like we're at the beginning of a new chapter of the iPhone in a way that I I kind of didn't expect to feel that way before this event. But now that it's over, like that's what I keep coming back to in my mind is like, this feels like we could go a lot of new places now with this phone that just didn't seem possible a year ago. And that that's that's really exciting to me. It is. And you know what? It's kind of inherent in the design, too. You know, as we kind of move away from the face, um, the feel of the design, it is a more, the edges are a little bit more rounded than they used to be. It's less chamfered and more, you know, it feels a little bit like the original iPhone Redux. Um, even the fact that, you know, you look at the... Um, you look at the differences between the eight and the 10 on casing, both of them have the glass, you know, back and front. Um, but the iPhone 10 now has steel on the sides. Um, and it's either, a uh, you know, regular colored steel for the silver phone, which is kind of silver white in, in person. Um, and then black anodized steel for the, the space gray, Ooh. uh, iPhone. Yeah, it looks nice. It looks really, really sweet. Is that like the uh, like the Apple Watch, the blacks? Yeah, like exactly like the Apple Watch. You may have just made my mind up because I've been very torn on the colors. Because like the white and silver is kind of like a classic look, right? Like kind of looks like an iPod. Like I kind of like those colors, but those those rails being that dark stainless may have pushed me to the dark side. You may have. Done. I may. Be, I may go. I may go Darth Vader next uh, this year. Of course, colors wise. The 10 is available in this silvery white option and black, whereas the 8 has this new, they're calling it gold, pausing for airplane. Okay, 
they're calling it gold, but really it's it's a, a very light rose gold. Like it, there's definitely some rose in there, and I I love the look honestly. But it's only available for eight and eight plus. There's no no rose gold love for uh for the ten, which I'm kind of sad about. Yeah, that that surprised me a, a little bit that there's only two options. Uh, the product red iPhone seven seven plus discontinued, like the shortest run of any iPhone color. Uh, man, it looked so good. It did. Brene broke his at the event, and I was oh, just like, no! "No, it's already limited edition, and now you've broken it." Yeah, that's the one I've spent time with. I've spent time with his at uh, WWDC, and it's, it's really nice. But um, so I guess we should we should talk about the pricing because that, that's uh, I think lots of people questioning: is this worth it? How much is it going to really cost? Yeah. Um, Although so I that- do before we before we talk pricing, I do want to talk about the rear cameras because that's okay. the other big the big change between the 8, 8 plus, well, specifically between the 8 plus and the 10, the 8 plus and the 10 both have dual lens camera systems. Um, but the 10 has a telephoto lens. That's an aperture of F 2.4 instead of F 2.8. And it has optical image stabilization on that telephoto lens. The 8 plus just has an uh, F 2.8 lens with no optical image stabilization. So in real terms and like non blah, blah, blah terms, that means that your low light photos overall are going to look much crisper and much better. But especially your portrait low light mode photos are a going to be possible now and they're going to look really, really great. Um, and that's like that is that is a pretty big consideration for folks who are interested in camera technology. People were asking me on Twitter, um, you know, is there really, you know, what are the 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 big thing? If I why should I get an iPhone 10? And I'm like, honestly, front-facing camera system aside, the rear-facing camera improvements are big enough. If you're a mobile photographer who likes using the tele lens at all, that you should go 10, no question. The optical image stabilization is a is a really nice addition. Low light footage, video, like handheld video footage. That's going to be, um, that's a big game changer. But by the same time, I think that like if if you go out and buy the eight or the eight plus, like I don't think you've really got to be like super torn up that you don't have the camera system out of the ten. Like it is a nicer, but I don't think it's going to be night and day for most people. Like that and the CPU being the same. Like I like that the eight and eight plus are going to be a solid upgrade for. Mil- for seven yeah, users, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or especially coming from like a like I've got friends with like a six or six S that I've been talking to. Oh my god! And they're all <laughs> looking at the eight, right? Because they don't want to spend the money on the ten. The eight's a huge update for those users. So like both, huge. Both, both phones are are really great, and there are some obvious differences, but um, there are way more similarities than I think you someone may notice right at the beginning because the design is so different. Yeah, definitely. So let's yeah let as you said let's talk price okay because uh, pricing is the the I think the biggest differentiator between these two. Yeah, so the the iPhone eight starts at six ninety nine. So this is uh, prices off like full prices in the United States. So if you're another country or you're buying on contract, there's always caveats here. But it starts at six ninety nine with the eight plus starting at seven ninety nine. If you are looking at a a monthly plans, and most people do these and pay them off over a year or two. You know, you're looking at, at you know thirty four dollars and up a month for the the iPhone eight. A little bit more if you go with the the larger storage. You know, if you do the plus, it's it's a, starts at like forty bucks a month. But the the real money is when you get into the iPhone ten. It starts at nine ninety nine, or f- basically fifty dollars a month. 
If you go with the big capacity, which is 256, you're looking at $1,149 or 56 bucks a month. So if, I mean, if you're, if you are buying and you're doing a two year, a two year deal, right? Where you're, you're paying this phone off through the Apple upgrade program or through like, uh, you know, your carrier's upgrade plan or, you know, pay monthly and get upgraded, all those different pr- uh, programs, right? That you can go, you can go sign up for. Yes, the the ten is more, but if you're talking about you know fifteen or eighteen dollars more a month, I'm not saying that's no money, but it's it's not as as steep as it would seem when you look at just the outright prices. Now, if you buy unlocked phones just outright, uh, yeah, <laughs> it is more, but but like but like we've been talking about, you get the iPhone of tomorrow today, and that screen is expensive, that that technology is expensive, and uh, I think that, you know, I think for people who are enthusiastic about the iPhone, who are excited about it, you know, Apple's going to sell a bunch of these, uh, kind of regardless of the price. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. I think if you're excited about the technology, um, it's basically the Tesla phones, right? <laughs> Where it's going to start really expensive and the people who want the tomorrow's features today are going to pay the price for it. And them paying the price for it is it going to allow Apple to bring component costs down and make it closer to you know today's phone today? I think the only question is, Stephen, are we going to have one year or two years before everybody gets these features? Yeah, that's that's a really that's kind of the question I think moving forward. Of I mean, you have the naming question, which I don't want to get into. It's very complicated, but I kind of think that we will see. A successor to the iPhone 8. Let's call it for today's purposes the 8s and the 8s Plus. I, I don't know if Apple can close the gap between 6.99 and 9.99 in a year. I mean, you're, you're talking about a quarter of the price. I think it may be a couple of years before every iPhone looks like the iPhone 10. I think I think this the home button and the kind of the design we have now. I think it may be a year, maybe two years before that is sort of flushed from the system and every new iPhone announced on, on a stage in a year or two years from now is OLED with a notch. Yeah, I think you're right because the thing is you can't move to a full screen display until you have the the component costs of the Face ID camera system down. Um, and that, I'm, I think you're right. I think it's going to take more than a year to be able to do that and get OLED ex- affordable and all of that. Yeah. And and again, I mean, the, they are pitching this phone as this is where we're going. This is the next 10 years of, of phones. I think if it takes a couple years to get there, I think that's okay. Like, I, I don't know if, um, if everyone is going to be, like, super excited that this phone stays expensive for a couple years. But I think that's kind of just the reality of how these things work. And, you know, part of this discussion is scale. Can they make enough of these? Can they get enough OLED screens? Part of this price being high may be a supply and demand issue. We know that this phone is launching the beginning of November, where the whereas the eight and eight plus launched on September twenty second, and here in the U.S., so there's a delay there already. And I think there's going to be some sort of balancing act Apple has to do with this is how many we can make, this is how many we think people want. You know, how long is that back order going to be? And I think I think it'll shake itself out, but I think it may take them. A couple of years to get it where they want it to where they can make every phone like this so i think i feel pretty good we've covered the phones i think we've we've kind of hit the common questions um 
If you have a question for us, you can use the hashtag AskQuery on Twitter. We have a magic robot that goes out and collects those for us, puts them in a little uh, basket, and we pull them out each week. Um, so AskQuery on Twitter. So we're going we're gonna to move to our speed run. If you haven't heard Query before, this is where we uh, answer questions in a rapid-fire succession. It's very exciting. Uh, and Ren, I think, uh, I think you're up first. All right. Um, so, Stephen, if you upgrade to the Apple TV 4K, do you have to pay to upgrade all of the stuff that you've upgra- uh, purchased from iTunes, like your HD movies? You do not. This is great. So there was a rumor that you were going to have to. But uh, Apple's gotten it worked out. So if, if you've purchased a movie in uh, 1080p, like we all have been doing for I don't know how many years now, you can upgrade that content to 4K. So you'll be able to go into the iTunes store and there'll be some sort of mechanism to say, hey, download the 4K version of this. There's There, there was concern that these 4K files are going to be really big and they're going to take a long time to download. Or I'm going to burn through my Comcast data cap or I'm going to run out of space on my hard drive. Apple is encoding these in a, in a new video format, which is a whole other subject for another day. But these these files shouldn't be that much bigger than 1080. They're not going to be four times the size or anything. So, um, yes, you've, you're going to spend some data and stuff re-downloading them, but it's not going to be as bad as it as it may have been a year ago before this, this new codec was available to everybody. So it seems like Apple with iTunes has really laid the groundwork to make this transition uh, pretty easy for everybody. Yeah, so I think the the question will be if this is actually something that people really that people really want that people want to push to, um, or whether they're content with their uh, with their 720p like non HD <laughs> right. footage. Yeah, I, mean, I know for me, I'm not. I have a 1080 television, so I'll deal with this when I upgrade my TV. You know, at some point down the road, so I'm not. I'm not going to run out and upgrade to a new Apple TV that I don't. I'm not prepared to take the benefits of, but. All right, so, so one for you. Liam asks, what's with the red dot on the new Apple Watch? Gosh, I wish I officially knew. Uh, uh, technically, it dis- it basically separates the cellular watches from non-cellular watches. So the Series 3 non-cellular don't have a red dot. The Series 3 cellular do. Um, but uh, as to why red, why a dot, why on the digital crown, I'm not really sure. Uh, my, my current theory is that uh, it's just letting you know that you'll never be able to escape the red dot on your notification screen on <laughs> Apple Watch anymore, ever again. Oh no, that's not what you want. Yeah, I'm like, that's uh, maybe red, not the best color choice Apple, but I'm actually, uh, I originally didn't like it and I'm kind of growing on it because it looks really good with a variety of colors and bands and I'm kind of shocked. I don't understand how they're making this possible because red is not usually a color that I'm like, this color matches well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I, I'm i not super thrilled with it, but I haven't seen one in person, so I'll take your word for it that it's not as bad as it seems. Uh, so the the last question is, what, uh, what are we going to be doing? Uh, are you looking at upgrading a phone or a watch or an Apple TV? How are you going to spend your hard-earned cash this fall? Oh, man. So door. Uh, So I am definitely upgrading to the Series 3 cellular. Um, One of my big questions before the event was how Apple was going to handle 38mm watches going forward because it is literally the only only company out there that does watches under Mm 40mm. Uh, which is crazy to me. It was the, this was the case in 2015, and it's still the case in 2017, which kind of boggles the mind. I don't understand why. Well, do I do understand? It's because 
building the kind of technology that they're building in a very small package with decent battery life is almost impossible to see them embrace not only embrace the fact that yes we're keeping the 38 millimeter in our lineup but also we're keeping the 38 millimeter in our lineup and we're doing so uh, with full LTE and reportedly no decrease in battery life um, <laughs> which uh, I imagine was very very difficult <laughs> yeah. for Apple engineers uh, very difficult indeed considering how much you have to do um, but the fact that they figured that out, right? That the the screen is the LTE antenna and the fact that the, the SIM card is this tiny little embedded chip now, um, that's, that makes it really appealing to me. And yeah, you have to, you have to go through your own carrier. You're not going to be able to carry your switch the way that you can on iPad. And yeah, it's only going to be available in a couple countries at launch, which kind of sucks, but uh, I'm excited about it. And it's, I mean, for me, especially, oh man, Steven, I tried out Siri uh, when I was doing my hands-on and Siri was instantaneous. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, I, I, you've used Siri on the watch uh, and it's not, not, um, not instantaneous. <laughs> no, no, it's not. So, uh, and I have footage of myself like making, I actually, it's about, about to post to YouTube, my hands-on. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's instantaneous. Um, and the location also instantaneous. These are things where it just didn't work too well routing through the phone. Um, just no matter what they did to improve the speed, it's just, it's a difficult thing when you're, you have to get the phone to wake up and then use its cellular antenna and then route that information back to the watch. Like that's a bit of a process. So to have it be able to do all of that locally, like to me, this is a no-brainer, no-brainer update for for anybody who wants to use Siri often um, or wants to, you know, the this the talking on a phone in the middle of the lake was a great demo, but I don't necessarily think that's uh, that's everybody's use cases. Uh, you know, talking a, a phone, talking on your on your watch for the phone calls, a lot of people still don't understand, you know, why that might be useful. That's interesting. That's what I'm most excited about uh to uh and i am i am looking at a series three watch i think i'll probably do it with lte so i can leave my phone at home when i go for a run or a bike ride because i want to be accessible right or you know god forbid there's an accident or i need to make a phone call or call 911 stuff happens i want to be um be in touch without lugging my big and in the fall super expensive iphone with me so that that I, i am excited about but i you know I agree with you. Like, I think even in my use, it's going to be real secondary, right? It's going to be a couple of times a week. I'm not going to, you know, my phone is still going to be with me 99% of the time, right? It's just, it's, it's that flexibility when I want, you know, mowing the grass, stuff like that. And, you know, someone texts me or something, but, um, so it sounds like we're both never losing notifications again. Oh yeah. <laughs> Woohoo. Uh, keep paring those down in the, in the, <laughs> the watch app. So it sounds like we're both on the hook for new watches, or at least you are, and I'm on the fence. Um, what about what about phones? Yeah, I mean we're both we're both early adopters, so I guess it's no surprise that we're both going to go for the ten. Um, and while the eight plus is interesting to me, I just don't see it as being as big of a jump between the seven plus and the eight plus, even with things like uh, the neural engine um, and the new bionic chip, which I'm sure will make the phone fly. Uh, I think camera features are more interesting to me, and that's kind of my major my major reason to go ten. And also that the Face ID camera system is incredible; it really is. Of, of like even 
even if Face ID isn't perfect yet right now, like the the other stuff that they're the potential for it is just makes me. I'm so there excited. with you. I, I take a lot of pictures and video with the phone. I am very excited about the new display and the, and the new design. So I'm I'm on the hook for the phone as well. And like I said, you know, the Apple TV. I don't have a 4K television, so at some point down the road, I'll cross that bridge. But um, I'm not going to go rush out and buy a new television at this point. So the Apple TV will will wait until I'm ready. Um, what about you? Do y'all have a 4K TV at home? Is that something that you're already kind of in that world and the Apple TV is lagging behind? Or are you like me with an old, old creaky 1080 TV? Yeah, we made that we made that call uh, last year. So, yeah, there's definitely an appeal to it. Although I don't I it's not as urgent an upgrade. Maybe maybe for Christmas. OK, yeah. I mean, I think I mean, most 4K TVs upsample and, you know, if you're if you're back pretty far away, maybe you can't tell. So I don't think it's like a super critical update, but I think, you know, I think the Apple TV is is great for Christmas or something. You know, it's um, it's a little bit more money than some of the other 4K boxes on the on the market right now. Um, a lot more expensive than some of them, but I, I, I think it's a pretty secondary or even, you know, sort of third rung device for most people in their house. So I think I think that does it. I think we've made it through the big questions from the, the big questions. And of course, if you want to ask more questions, Stephen, can yeah, hashtag ask query on Twitter. Uh, in the meantime, you can find Serenity there. She is Saturn S E T T E R N, and you can find her writing at imore.com. Lots of great stuff on imore this week. Also, imore on YouTube, putting out videos and hands on. I've watched a bunch of those. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as ISMH and I write at 512pixels.net. And until next week, Ren, when you won't be in a secret parking garage, say goodbye. Yep. Fingers crossed. <laughs> goodbye. Adios. Good times. We made it. <laughs>